Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. And welcome to One on One, a Door County Pulse interview series. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Solomon Lindenberg and Adam Pekorski of Rusty Dusty Vinyl. How's it going, Adam? Very good. How are you? Good. <laughs> uh, thank you, Solomon, for joining us again on another uh, music podcast. Adam, tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, what are your connections to Door County and what brought you here? Well, I grew up in Green Bay. I'd lived on the, my wife and I lived on the West Coast for about 15 years in Northern California, Arcata. After we had, we have a few friends who live here and, um, coming back to see my parents, my mom in Green Bay, we'd come up here to visit friends and four or five visits in our arm was twisted and kind of fell in love with the place. Yeah. Um, as a kid, I'd come up here once a, once in a while with my uncle and go hiking quite a bit. And it's a unique place and I've, I very much miss the Midwest Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> our friends made it very, very easy for us to move here. And it was a, it was an easy decision to make. Why don't we, why don't we start kind of in the present and then we'll back up. Uh, you own Rusty Dusty Vinyl. Yep. Um, tell me a little bit about what Rusty Dusty is and where you guys are located. I know you opened up a couple of years ago now, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Rusty Dusty Vintage and Records. We, uh, we opened up, this would, uh, this was our second season. Um, we opened up in Sister Bay in the Country Walk Shops first and opportunity presented itself to move to Ephraim and we're, we were pretty smitten with the the Shorewood village there. We love all of our neighbors and it's a, it's just a great little spot to be in. Ephraim is my ideal of door County. So yeah. as soon as that place opened up, we were, we jumped on it real fast and it's been a great, we, uh, let's see, we rented it in March and we opened up in May at the end of May because of all the construction fun. And it was, uh, it's been a great season. We've had a good reception there and the, the place very much suits us. Tell me a little bit about the store. What do you guys have there? Uh, we have vintage clothing, collectibles, um, new and used records, basically stuff we like. <laughs> and we, uh, we're very grateful other people like it too. Um, the, the vintage clothes, we always say it has to be old enough to drink for us to have it in the <laughs> shop. So it's styles from the 90s and before. <laughs> um, anything from the 20s to the 90s or older if we can find it. But uh, Good, durable, used stuff. New records, new releases, anything used. It's mostly stuff I like. Yeah. So our store we ran in California was pretty big, your normal record store. And that was fun. It was great. But for this one, we wanted to do more things we're into, stuff I can talk about, stuff I can get behind. Not your run-of-the-mill things, unless, of course, that's what we're into. <laughs> um, Something fun that I found at Rusty Dusty a couple months ago. Um, that's not vinyl as I found a varsity booster club jacket from Algoma and it has an insignia that says Steve. I mean, no, not Steve, Roger. It says Roger on it. So I've now embodied Roger. <laughs> thanks to Rusty Dusty. We love it. That's uh, one of our favorite things is giving life to these 
older objects and now Roger lives again. It's beautiful. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Maya, when I went in, when you guys were up at the country walk shops, there was a record that stood out to me just from the album artwork. And it was this Japanese album that you had written on a post-it note. It reminded you of like a, it would make the perfect soundtrack to a samurai movie. No. And I took it home and the first time I ever played it, I actually played it at double speed on accident. <laughs> and I was playing it. I was like, this is so cool. I can't believe that this is like from, I think it's from the seventies or something. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. And then I was like, wait a minute. And I slowed it back down. Still very cool. But uh, that was, that's my one anecdotal story. And the awesome thing that Adam does with his vinyl is he'll put little labels on them and they're just fun. They kind of give you a context of what it is. Is it just what first comes into your mind when you listen to the music or is it? For the most part, it's, um, I kind of fly by the cuff when it comes to that mm-hmm. stuff. I, uh, I listen to 99% of the stuff we have in there. If I, if I have it in there, it's because I've listened to it and I like it and I feel other people, someone else out there might like it. And the things I write, sometimes I think I'm funnier than I'm in. I am. So it'll be a, you know, maybe a little inside joke that maybe you'll get it if you know the <laughs> band or, you know, my descriptions are, I'll just sit down with a sheet of sticky notes in front of me and listen to the record and whatever I feel that comes out of there <laughs> it ends up on the paper. It feels like you've got a pretty curated selection and, and it's all stuff that you like, as you said, you were interested in, but what got you into doing this professionally? Oh, well, I've worked in and or owned record stores for pushing 20 years now. Underneath this hat's a lot of gray hair, so I'm older <laughs> than I look. Yeah, I I was working in a record shop in Arcata, People's Records. It was a mainstay. So Arcata is a tiny little town on the coast in Northern California. And uh, the record shop was People's Records. It was on the plaza. It had been there since 1981. And I was working there with a buddy. And the opportunity presented for us to open our own shop down the street. And we got the blessing from the owner of the, the store and... We kind of did our own thing. It was very similar to what we have going on now, but much more. We tried to cover all of our bases and it's just a a love for music in general. Like vinyl or not, it's all about to me finding music maybe you haven't heard yet. That could be your new favorite thing. That's one of my joys in life is someone will ask me, I need new music and I will write down a list of, whatever pops into my head. And if one of those sticks, I feel like a complete. (laughs) So that's what pushed me into opening a store and doing it as a living is finding homes for these like lost musical things. And, uh, and also the hunt. That's uh, one of my favorite things to do is dig through thousands and thousands of dusty old crappy records. So you guys don't have to. (laughs) Right. And you're in a unique position of being able to provide someone with the exposure to something that they wouldn't normally be exposed to, or they don't have access to it like you would. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's, I'm like a conduit for, I, I will listen to a hundred terrible, terrible things until I find that one thing that clicks. And then that's what we're all about for a week. You'll see it in the shop. It'll have something dumb written on it. It'll, you know, then I have a, my wife and I both have a knack for if you tell me four bands you like, I will find you a new one. You haven't heard that is gonna, gonna suit you. You know, the music industry and the way that we experience music has changed so much, even in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we can talk more about, you know, vinyl and, and what the music industry is like right now in a little bit. But my question is, 
when I'm trying to find new music, it's usually an algorithm that's going to pick something for me. Something online is going to move me somewhere or a friend will tell me, you know, hey, check this out. You're kind of in an interesting position where, you know, you're not necessarily introducing people to stuff that they can hear on the radio right now or to performing artists. Sometimes you're showing somebody, hey, this is an album that was made in the 70s. This is the only album the band ever made. And then they disappeared off the face of the earth. That must be rewarding. And in a lot of ways, but you know, there's challenges to that too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Back to the, why we got into the business. It's um, a, a record shop is something I grew up going to record stores in green Bay and in Madison. And there, there's just something tangible about being in a shop with other music nerds where you can, you know, you're kind of more open to things. And like you said, usually an algorithm is putting into your face what you, they, the algorithm thinks you should listen to. And, um, it's kind of neat to have a physical location to, for someone to walk in and maybe have their mind open a little bit musically. Not only a physical location, but like a, a physical copy of that music. Like <laughs> you can actually own that music. When I, and I've only begun collecting records and, you know, like seeing the value uh, within them. So I will usually, when I go to record stores, I will look for something in particular. But as I keep going, I'm finding that um, I'm just kind of looking for something cool, something that catches my eye. And it's less, you know, looking for something that I'm already looking for, I've already heard. And I think that there are, uh, there are definite um, reasons why like you're able to do what you're able to do right now in Door County that maybe you weren't able to do 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Uh, let's, let's take a break though. And then when we come back, I want to talk about doing what you're doing here in this community and what kind of the, the challenges and the opportunities are with that. But I also want to talk about the, the changing landscape of music and, and, and why we're even interested in vinyl anymore nowadays and, and why you can go to target and see records <laughs> on the shelves for the first time in what, 60 years. Yeah. So uh, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll jump into those things. Grace, there is nothing that I love more than lighthouses and state parks. Oh my gosh, no way, me too. I just wish that there was, I don't know, some sort of way that I could capture my love for those things in a physical way that maybe I could put on the wall or something. Well, you are in luck, my friend. If you visit DoorCountyPulse.com slash shop, you can find exactly those items. You mean we actually put together a series of state park posters and an incredible collection of lighthouses all in one piece of artwork that you can buy online? That we did, Andrew, that we did. I didn't know that we had an online shop. What else can I get there? You can also buy some Pulse stickers, Door County Living stickers. You can subscribe to Door County Living or the Peninsula Pulse if you are not in Door County. You can buy our annual door wedding guide. And you can also buy uh, lighthouse postcards if you do not want the full poster, but might want to add a little something something in your gift package. I'm looking at the shop right now and I just noticed that we have Peninsula Pulse hats with the dog logo logo and everything. Grace, I think I am sold. Where can I go to find all of this stuff one more time? www.doorcountypulse.com slash shop. Okay, we are back. So you opened up a record store in Door County and <laughs> that like if you were to, when I moved up here five years ago, that was one of the things that I had gotten used to in the cities and then came up here and was like, oh, I'm not going to see any of those for a while or I'll have to go down to Green Bay or beyond to be able mm -hmm. to do that. Uh, but you've brought one up here. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Um, it was uh, very interesting because there hadn't been a record store in 
specifically Northern Door County in, I, I don't know how many years, but it was quite some time. And the same time we opened, John and Teresa at Within Things opened and they have mm-hmm. an incredible selection of records. I have to limit my time there because I have never walked out of there for less than $100 because it's a world-class collection of records that sometimes I'm like, what, what is this doing in Door County? Right. <laughs> but so they opened at the same time as did Bay Vinyl down in Sturgeon Bay. So it was, it went from nothing to three. Right. We all kind of have our own little take on what a record store is. It's kind of neat doing that all at the same time. <laughs> and um, yeah, one of, uh, one of the reasons we decided to do it, um, I honestly didn't think we were going to do a brick and mortar up here. We, we'd been up on a few visits and hang with our friends and I knew there wasn't a store here. I didn't know that there was such a kind of a younger movement happening in Door County. Cause we were, I mean, we'd come up for a day at a time. We didn't, we didn't spend too much time. It was mostly, mostly seeing friends and, you know, hiking in the woods. And sure. so seeing that there wasn't a store, I didn't really think there would be any kind of desire for it. And after a few conversations with random people, I got nothing but do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. So we did it. <laughs> there, I mean, there are challenges with any business up here with the seasonality and that kind of stuff. Do you find that any of those are, are amplified or lessons in doing something that's more niche like it, what you're doing? It's kind of almost to me and my, my books and my accountant might tell a different story, but to <laughs> me it's almost lessened because it's such a personal experience and it's such a niche market that People who live here year round, I mean, we, we're open most of the year. We close down in March, but we're open most of the year. But we sacrificed a wall for a couch to hang out on. We have, you know, we're just sitting around listening to records. What our shop is, is basically an extension of our living room. We're very open to people just hanging out, like no purchase required. So that kind of lessens the financial sting of an off season. I mean, you definitely do not do as much business in the winter as you do at peak summertime up here, but we make do. <laughs> well, and it's occurring to me now too, that the market that you're looking for, of course, you're going to have young people who are interested in vintage collectibles and clothing that is very on trend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got tons of people listening to vinyl like never before, but then you also have the, the tourist community that we have up here and also the, the locals, we skew older in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And those are people who are maybe seeing things from their childhood too. Yes. I mean, that's something that I had noticed when I went in is seeing like really cool old lunch boxes mm-hmm. and, and all sorts of memorabilia and, and thinking like, oh, my dad would love to see this place because there's so much in here that I bet he could pick out from either seeing on TV or having mm-hmm. in his bedroom when he was a kid. So you're kind of hitting both of those demographics in an interesting way. Uh, even though you're definitely doing something very trendy, mm-hmm. it has this wider appeal than you might think of from first glance. Absolutely. A lot of our, a lot of the folks that come into our store are maybe older folks who lost a record collection or, you know, borrowed it to someone 40 years ago and never saw it again. They're like, Oh my gosh, there it is in my hands again. They, they buy it. And some, some people, we sell a lot of records to people who don't even have record players. They're just, they just need it. They see it. It clicks that nostalgia button in their brain and they need it in their hands. Yeah, it's a it's neat appealing to a wide range of folks. I I really didn't know what we were getting into when we moved up here. We just decided to take the leap and it's been very welcoming from the community that lives here and the tourist community. Well, and that, that's good to hear too, because I mean, we hear it a lot from the, the folks that I've gotten the opportunity to talk to is that the community is very welcoming, mm-hmm. uh, especially to young entrepreneurs who are trying to do something new and do something different. 
There's a lot of times, especially politically or with developments and stuff, that it seems like things can grind to a halt and people can be kind of, people can push back on change. But I found in the business community, people are pretty excited about uh, new folks bringing in new things and and the wheel continuing to turn in that way. So mm-hmm. it's cool to hear that you're you're getting the same uh, welcome that a lot of people do. Absolutely, it was uh, it, it's been very humbling, and we're very grateful for the Door County community to welcome us. I mean, we're two schlubs from California for all anybody knows. And to have people who've been here generationally, like walk in and be like, I have a barn full of old crap. And I'm like, Hey, we buy old crap. Beautiful. And we've we've developed into relationships and I'm, I'm a history buff. So talking to these people and like getting to go in the barns, like on, aside from the records, like other stuff that we sell, like I get to go into 150-year-old barns and dig around and see, you know, jackets from orchards that are long gone or dig out old denim chore coats that someone wore in 1890 and Ephraim. Like, I I absolutely live for that stuff. And for people to welcome our strange-looking butts into their houses has been amazing. (laughs) Awesome. So, Adam, uh, let's talk about it. Why do people love vinyl again? <laughs> um, well, people like me never stop loving it. I was, uh, I'm was i a child of the 90s, so I got the bug because people were throwing their collections away. And I could walk into a Goodwill and find 10 for a dollar, whatever. That's how I really got into vinyl. But people are into vinyl again, I think. And it's it's hard to say definitively why, but it's a tangible thing. You can hold it in your hands. There's artwork. And it just sounds better. You know, I... I think the reason that I got into it, of course, I was one of the the kids who inherited a vinyl collection from my father. Uh, he had just a big trunk of old 45s and vintage records, lots of country rock, so lots of CCR and that kind of <laughs> stuff. Stuff that I grew up listening to on the radio with him, but like every Sunday morning he would wake me up with records playing. Um, and he, he of course had his vinyl record or his vinyl player down near the floor. So anytime that I would like run into the room, he would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it would skip and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So I've got lots of, of memories of that. But when I got into records, it was because of the, the sense of routine that you can get into. I think it's the same reason why people like third wave and fourth wave coffee because you're you're taking care in the thing that you're indulging in. So it's not just clicking a button and listening to a song. It's, you know, taking a record off the shelf and admiring the artwork and placing it down and lining like there's just a sense of routine and stuff to do that makes you appreciate listening to music more. And before I started appreciating the actual vinyl, like what you put on the player, I would take all the records out of my dad's vinyl sleeves and I'd just put the covers up on the wall because I thought they were cool (laughs) posters. Now I realize it's not just, you know, a piece of artwork. It's a piece of artwork in another way also. Right. But it is, it is that visual element too. That's great. I mean, I love album artwork and the fact that you can have a, a beautiful piece of art at the size that it is something that you can't get with like just a CD. It's very small or an MP3. It's on your phone. Uh, having the actual vinyl record, there's a visual element to it. And I know tons of people who pick their favorite like five records and put them up on the wall and, and display them. And that becomes kind of a centerpiece in their room too. So there's there's that side of it as well. Uh, and Adam, you mentioned that they sound better. <laughs> if if anybody has never heard that before, can you tell us what the, the musical quality is with a vinyl record that makes it special? It completely depends. Yeah, it really does on your, on your playback device and all that. But it's, and this is cliche as I'll get out, but it's, uh, it's a warmer sound. It, it's a physical sound that takes over the room when you put a record on. It's um, it, there's, 
And I'm not going to get into the technical aspects of it because that's a little beyond me. Like the mechanic that drives a, drives a crappy car, right? I don't quite grasp all the levels of <laughs> vinyl nerd dumb, but um, it just, for example, there's a, there's a record by The Go, Howl on the Haunted Beat You Ride, one of the best titles of all time. And I had been, I'd never gotten a copy of it on vinyl and I'd been listening to it on CD for 10, 15 years. And last year for my birthday, my wife found a copy. I put it on and there was a bass line I never heard before. I, I had no idea there was even bass in the song. <laughs> you know, you, you hear a whole gamut of sound that is not available on compressed files and stuff like that. And everything you hear these days is all remasters. And so there's a lot of stuff that was originally on the record that you don't hear anymore. For instance, the Beatles just released remastered versions of all the tracks on Abbey Road. And uh, I was watching a YouTube video and they just kind of compared the, the original recording from 1969 and the 2019 remaster. And they just take a lot of things that you really wouldn't notice out, but just kind of things that the Beatles, that they weren't able to edit out at the time. And it's stuff like that, that I kind of find is really valuable. Like this is an Abbey Road, but um, there's a part in Hey Jude where they don't know who, but somebody cusses and it's just something that like you would cut out then but like we see the value in now right it, it places it in time right and it, it's like those imperfections are what create the the atmosphere around it and like most of my collection being hand-me-downs from the 70s i have tons and tons of records that are scratched or dusty or were stored incorrectly and that kind of stuff and the the crackle, the pop, the the static sound that you get when you first lay the needle down, that's of course an imperfection in the playback, but it's something that it it adds to the ambiance for me. Like when I put on an old record and it sound like it sounds old, and there's a, a, a level of appreciation in that as well. Absolutely, that and they tell a story. You know, um, I don't want to hear. Blind Lemon Jefferson sounding like it's crystal clear. I want to hear him sounding like he's six miles away in a tin can. Like that's how it was supposed to sound. That's how it was recorded. And the, the pops and the hisses, that's, that's part of that tangible physical objects journey. You know, maybe that Hendrix record you have that sounds really crappy in the middle is because someone partied with that record <laughs> all the time. And right. it takes on that feeling, you know, you can almost, to me, and I'm a sappy bastard, it, uh, you can almost like, it takes on that energy of like someone being so excited when that came out and they were 16 and they threw it on in the basement. Like you can almost feel that when you throw something on like that. Right. Like I have two copies of the white album, one uh, newer uh, and then one that's totally worn out because my dad played it on loop every I single also, day. I also have both of those. <laughs> I hate to admit this, but I bought the newer one, the newer Abbey Road from, from Target because you mentioned it. And it had a bunch of posters inside and it's cool, but it, you can totally tell the difference between, between the two vinyls and vinyls, uh, records today are a lot heavier. Is there any, any, any other aspects of like, how do you tell how old something is? Um, well, it's, um, hmm, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, cause a lot, a lot of older things have been reissued and there's, I mean, I could get into the, the business aspect where you're checking serial numbers and the run outs and holding it up into the light just right. Mm -hmm. So you can see the little etching on the side to see what year exactly it's from. But mostly it's, um, 
you can tell by the shape something's in and whether it's loved, a corner's dinged or, you know, and, and new records are usually heavier, 180 or 120 gram. And in the seventies and early eighties, when they were just pumping out millions of records, they did them on much thinner, flimsier, almost worse vinyl. Yeah. There's a, there's definitely part of the whole vinyl resurgence I love is that you get quality pressings of stuff like you're talking about Mm -hmm. the remasterings of things and, you know, a, a record from 1978 that they sold 16 million copies of was probably, they were pumping them out, you know, and something now that is a, a, a top seller will sell a hundred thousand copies, you know, so there is much more care in the, the making of the new stuff. It's kind of neat like that. You know, one question that I have as somebody who is in this business, somebody who loves doing what you do, what do you think when you, when you go to a place like Target or Barnes and Noble and see that you know, Taylor Swift has an album on vinyl. Does that, is that a good feeling? Is that something that you like as somebody who appreciates it or is it, is it something different? Or, or something like a, like a Crosley record player that, <laughs> that looks like it was supposed to be an antique store, but it, yeah, I have very mixed emotions about all that. Um, being the aging hipster that I am, it kind of crushes my soul when I see those things. But also, in the same respect, is putting records into people's hands and it's showing, I mean, not every person is going to go to a little hole in the wall record store, you know, or be able to at all. So, you know, if you, if, if, if it fosters an appreciation, you got to start somewhere, I guess. A side end of that, the, the, the part that I don't like about that is that those kind of records gum up the works for the, the pressing of new things of like underground bands and, you know, say you're a tiny little label and you need, you know, you have a new band you signed and you're putting out their record. You're 15th in line behind Taylor Swift's new record mm-hmm. or the 10,000th repressing of Herb Alpert's whipped cream, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. I never thought of it that way in terms of how the industry does it. One, one thing that I think just as, as an outsider, do you, do you stock both vintage and new records? Mm-hmm. Do you think that that is, sort of a way in for people who are just kind of getting into it, being able to see both like, Hey, that's something that I remember listening to when I was a kid. My dad loved that. But then also here's my favorite artist and being able to, to marry those two worlds together. Is that something that you see? Absolutely. Uh, we get, it's happened quite a few times where, uh, you know, a younger person and their parents will come in and their dad's freaking out because we have Santana's whatever. (laughs) And someone else picks up, the new whatever. And there it's neat to see that generational, I guess not a gap because they're doing the same thing, but with different things, it's kind of, it's, it's really neat to see that. Do you ever listen to, to digital music? Um, I really don't. And it's not because I'm an elitist like mm-hmm. that. It's mostly because I am almost 100% computer illiterate. I have a phone in my pocket that was thrust upon me by an old business partner because he could not text the 1880s. And of course now I'm addicted to it just like everyone else, but I have never downloaded a song. I've never had a digital library. I I'm like, of, I'm, I'm 38, so I'm of the last generation that got to choose whether they participated in computers or not, mm. and I really mm-hmm. didn't. And I, I'm not knocking digital music at all. I have a friend up here who constantly makes fun of me because I haven't heard the newest thing, <laughs> you know. And I guess that's not completely true because I will, I'll look something up on YouTube. I will, I will definitely. I mean, that's how you hear new things is through 
digital media. But right. I, I really don't like throw on an iPad or uh, have an iTunes full of music. I never have. Hmm. So uh, beyond beyond the vinyl and the music, there, there's other vintage stuff that you have at Rusty Dusty. Mm-hmm. What is one of the, the most unique things that have come through the doors that you can remember? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but what are some of the, the really special items that you've seen come through that stand out? Oh, man, we've had some wild things. Well, wild to me. <laughs> I'm not very exciting. <laughs> um, we just recently ran through this um, couple early 30s Woolrich hunting coats that if I, I wish I could find a way to get their story. You know, I wish mm-hmm. they could talk to me. <laughs> it's pretty neat. Just, uh, and people love those things. They're almost 100 years old and they'll last another 100 years. Um, one of the coolest things we've recently found, two things actually, are local history things. We were at an estate sale and I'm digging through some books and I, they're naturalist books. There's like some mushroom hunting books and tree identifying books. And I see Emma Toff's name on them. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, uh, the guy, I was like, are these? Emma, Emma Toft, like Toft Point Emma Toft. He's like, oh yeah, she's a Toft. He points over to his wife and I look up and there's a bunch of Toft Point memorabilia in the garage. And I'm, so of course I buy these books because they have her, they have her name written on them. And my wife is over digging in the clothes and in their costume box, she's pulling out clothes and there's, I noticed the notes on them are in the same handwriting. And it's like, Lars brought this back for me from in 1937 from New York is all these like fancy clothes. And if you know anything about Emma Toff, she did not wear fancy clothes. She was more of a jeans and flannel kind of lady. Yeah. So these are, it it was just neat to have that local connection of like, whoa, these were Emma Toff's clothes. Like, what do we do with this? And we, we saved them because we're, we're hoarders like, but it is pretty neat. Another thing we just recently came across was Helmut Zilke. Yeah. He founded Helms Four Seasons up in hmm. Sister Bay after World War II. And we found his uh, wartime like attache case that he had drawn all of his ports of call on in his own handwriting. It was super cool. It was all right after World War II, all through the Pacific Theater. So it's really neat to have that like local connection that we've been finding. Right. To be able to find those hidden treasures of, of our history, I feel like is, is something that's really interesting, especially when you're living in a community that's this small, but it's been here for a long time. And, mm-hmm. and we do have some documentation. It's not all great and it's not mm-hmm. very thorough, but mm-hmm. we do have some documentation of our history and it's cool to be able to tangibly find those links to the past. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's what we live for. <laughs> Adam, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. Uh, where where can people find out more about Rusty Dusty? You guys are online, I'm assuming. Um, it's all like letter based. I know that you're very into the analog. <laughs> kind of. Send uh, three ravens at dawn <laughs> and you may get a response by tomorrow. Right. Um, actually, we are on Instagram. Big old Rusty Dusty Vintage. Um, other than that, come in and see us. We're in Ephraim in the Shorewood Villages right there in right on the main drag next to Charnuska soup and Leroy's coffee in the light box and all the other fun things that are happening in Ephraim. Just come pull up some couch and hang out and talk about whatever nerd stuff you want to talk about. <laughs> cool. Thanks a lot, Adam. And thank you, Solomon, for joining me today. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks for having me. For more Door County news, interviews, and exclusive content, check us out at doorcountypulse.com or pick up this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse available every Friday. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast to get new episodes delivered straight to your device twice a week. Thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast.